Wonderful. Thank you, son. Let's go to Joshua this morning, can we? Joshua chapter 2, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Joshua. If all you brought this morning was a New Testament, bummer. For the next several weeks, months, you need to bring an Old Testament because we're going to be in the book of Joshua. For those that are just with us for the first time today, I started a series through the Old Testament book of Joshua in connection with our theme here at, at Fellowship Baptist Church for 2019, which is obviously the word forward. And I, uh, I stated in the first two messages, our goal as a, uh, is like the goal of the children of Israel is to go forward, to gain ground. Quite honestly, we want everything that God has for us. We don't just come here on Sunday and play church and just be comfortable. Listen, God has been so good to Fellowship Baptist Church. But that is not an excuse for us to adopt this mentality of complacency. Well, God's been good. Look at this. Listen to that. And God's been good and God's blessed. And, and I would say amen to all of that. But that ought to just whet our appetite for more of what God has done in the past. And we want God to do more in the future. Listen, with our culture becoming more godless by the day? Listen, I am, I am persuaded that, that our community and communities around us need churches like this to be more serious about doing the work of God than we have ever been before. We're nearly 65 years old. We need to keep going forward. Our desire for 2019 is for it to be a banner year when it comes to the number of souls saved and lives changed and missionaries supported and homes strengthened and people plugged into ministry. And listen, we want you to come with us. We really do. We want you to get on board and, and, and take this journey with us. In 2019. Now, before we get into our text this morning, I want to want to do a little word association, a little name association. Now, here's what I want you. I want you to talk back to me this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a name, and I want you to talk back to me and tell me what occupation we would normally attach to that name. Now, these are all Bible names. Okay, for example. When we think of David, David was a shepherd. When we think of Peter, Peter was a, there you go. When we think of Herod, Herod the king, Esther the, Matthew the, boo. Caiaphas the high priest. What was Paul? What was his occupation? He was a tent maker. Lydia, but still in the book of Acts, Lydia was what? A seller of purple. Good. How about this one? Rahab the 
<laughs> the harlot. Rahab the harlot. How many of you would rather be known as a tax collector than a harlot? <laughs> or a fisherman or a tent maker? Or a shepherd? I mean, seriously, prostitute? Call girl? Streetwalker, hooker? I mean, who wants to wear that label? But yet, that's the label that Rahab wore. And it's in Joshua chapter 2, look at it, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now let me just be up front with you this morning about who I'm preaching to. Preaching um, what I'm looking for all preaching has a target audience. Let me just be honest with you this morning about my target audience today. It's the lost. My entire message this morning is going to be to those who don't know Christ as their Savior. And I would, would guess that the rest of the messages, like the first two messages in Joshua, will be aimed at believers and challenging Christians to go forward and gain ground in their walk with God. But there are some whose first spiritual step forward needs to be to start a genuine relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's your first step forward. And I say genuine because there may be someone here who thinks they're saved, but the truth is they're, they're not. And it's not my job to convince someone of that that's God's job that's the job of the Holy Spirit but in nearly 40 years of ministry I know this to be true that there are no doubt some among us this morning who are trusting in the wrong thing and if you were to stand before God today and he were to look at you and say why should I let you into my heaven the answer that you would give would not be the right answer because you're trusting in the wrong thing Others may be convinced that they're saved simply because they believe in God. The problem is that all of that knowledge is up here in their head. It's not in here. It's not in their heart. And then honestly, there may be some I'm preaching to this morning that in their mind, they really don't need God in their life. At least right now. And if any of these things describe you today, I trust that you'll listen to what the Lord has for you through this story 
of the life of Ahab or Rahab. Now, for the saved, I don't want you to just kick back and check out on me and start thinking about lunch because I've got a couple of things that I want you to do. Okay? Number one, I want you to support the message today out loud, verbally, while I'm preaching as a way of giving testimony to those around you that what that man is preaching is the truth and that that truth changed your life one day forever. And then during the invitation and even during the preaching, I want you to be praying for those around you who may not know Christ as their Savior. Pray that today would be their day. God brought everyone here today on purpose. You're not here by accident today. You're here because God did it. And God did it for a reason. And I hope to be able in this message to be able to teach you the truth about Rahab and how what was true of her is true of every lost person that's here today. So let's start with this. Rahab was a sinner. Now, I know that that's probably stating the obvious, but I want to make something perfectly clear today. Rahab wasn't a sinner because she was a harlot. Rahab was a harlot because she was a sinner. And she was a sinner because she was born a sinner. Those who know anything about the, the life of David know that David was an adulterer, that David committed adultery with Bathsheba. But committing adultery is not what made him a sinner. Now, he, didn't, he, he wasn't a sinner because he committed adultery. He committed adultery because he was a sinner. Abraham lied. Moses was a murderer. Those, those are not the things that, that, that made them sinners. They did those things because they were sinners. So Rahab and David and Moses and, and Abraham, and I could go on and on and on throughout the, the Word of God, they were all sinners, not because they sinned, but because they were born that way. By the same token, every one of us here this morning, including the man behind this pulpit, we're all sinners. Our sin may not be the same as Rahab's or David's or Abraham's or, or Moses, but we're all sinners. Paul teaches us that in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And like Rahab, we're not sinners because we've sinned. We've sinned because we're sinners. Sinning has come naturally for us from the time we were born because the truth is we were all born with a sin nature and contrary to what the the secular world perhaps would want us to believe that uh, that man is 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 basically good now listen man is not basically good man is is inherently evil I'm talking sinfully rotten to the core from the time we were conceived. 
Proof of that exists just beyond this wall. In the toddler nursery. For those of you who think that man is born basically good, go hang out in there the next service. And I promise you, they will change your mind forever. <laughs> now, some of you don't need proof of that because some of those angels are yours. <laughs> and oddly enough, you've never had to teach them to be selfish. You've never had to teach them to hit and scratch and pull hair and bite? Why? Because those little angels are on the inside little devils. Come on. They are inherently evil. No, seriously. They were not born with a propensity to love and share and treat people with kindness. They were not born with this propensity toward doing right. They were born with a propensity to take things from other kids and to bite and to scratch and to hit. That's who they are. And by the way, that's who you were when you were their age. And that's who he was when he was their age. The problem is, some never grow out of it. He has, praise the Lord. And listen, this goes all the way back to Adam. And I could, I could take you back to the book of Genesis and, and, and show you where Adam sinned and how that he, he passed that sin down to his son and, and on and on and on. But, but I don't want to take time to do that this morning. I think Paul gives us a verse in the book of Romans that pretty much sums all of that up when he said, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. And you drop down a little bit in that same chapter in, in verse 19, and, and, and he tells us, Paul tells us that the sin of that one man, Adam, is what has made us all sinners. Adam's sin has placed a spiritual virus, if you will, in the DNA of humanity forever. Although God created us in His image to, to have abundant life and fellowship with Him, that image was marred and that fellowship was shattered. With the sin of Adam in the Garden of Eden, the entire human race went from innocence to sinfulness in one fell swoop. The sinfulness of Adam and our sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah wrote this, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you. So Rahab was a sinner who did not have a relationship with God. And here's a second thing that's true about her. Consequently, she was facing coming judgment. She was, she was a sinner. 
who didn't have a relationship with God. And so she was facing coming judgment. I'm going to skip over some of the narrative here and just give you a summary in preparation for a battle that was, uh, that was going to be launched against the city of Jericho. Joshua, the leader of the, the army of Israel, sent two men into Jericho as spies. He sent them on a recon mission. And these two men ended up in the house of Rahab. And there's a lot of speculation out there about why they went. Uh, you'll never convince me because there's nothing in the, in the, in the scriptural context to, to, to even suggest that they went there for any sinful purpose. Now, I'm convinced that they ended up in Rahab's house by divine direction. And we'll see this in just a moment, but Rahab was, was developing a heart for the God of heaven. And I believe God sent those men to her house for that reason. But anyway, the men ended up in her house, and the king of Jericho found out. Evidently, somebody saw them go in, and so they told the king of, of Jericho, and he sent some of his men to Rahab's house to arrest her, or excuse me, to arrest them. And, but by the time they got there, Rahab had hid those spies, and she denied them being there, and then concocted this story that sent the king's men on a wild goose chase for numerous days. So drop down to verse 9. Will you still with me this morning? Yes. Chapter 2, verse 9 of Joshua. And she said unto the men, unto the spies, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Drop down to verse 12. Now therefore... I pray you, I beg you, I implore you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all they have, and deliver our lives from death. Rahab knew that judgment was coming. She knew, as, as sure as she knew her name, she knew that judgment was coming. And I'll tell you, it was because of the godlessness and the unbelief of the Canaanites, of which she was a part, that her and the inhabitants of Jericho were set to be destroyed. And again, she knew that. And it did come, by the way, just as God predicted it would. Fast forward to January the 27th, 2019. That's today. I stand here as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ to tell those who are lost 
on the authority of this book, judgment is coming. As sure as you're sitting here this morning, judgment is coming. That's not my word. That's not something that I'm, I'm bringing up just to try to scare you. It's in the word. Judgment is coming for the lost. Listen to these words of Jesus found in John 3. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Now there may be some thinking, well, what in the world did I ever do? What sin did I ever commit that would, would cause me to be condemned and under the wrath of God? And I would say this this morning. The lost aren't condemned because of what they've done. They're condemned because of what they are. They are unbelieving sinners. Jesus said it like this. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Amen. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want you to note that phrase, condemned already. Because it takes us back. To Adam's sin. Let me quote Paul again in, in, in Romans 5. By the offense of one, look at this, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's, uh, that's not right, but, but by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. So, so here's how that works. Adam, as the representative head of mankind, sinned, and his sin condemned us all. Well, preacher, I don't like that. It's similar to the representatives we send to Topeka or to Washington, D.C. Sometimes they are, our, they are our representatives, and sometimes they make decisions that we don't like. But their decision is binding for all of us. I don't like what Adam did in the, in the garden. I don't like that he sinned. I don't like that he disobeyed God. And I don't, sure don't like the fact that because of his sin, I'm condemned. I have to be under the wrath of God because of the, the sin of someone that I've never met. There is an eternal, everlasting judgment coming in a real place called hell for those who die in unbelief. I would be doing nothing less than my God-given duty if I didn't stand here and solemnly warn you of that very thing. 
What kind of parent would I be if I saw one of my children in the backyard or in the the lot behind us, one of my grandkids are out there playing and all of a sudden I hear this rattling and I just let them go. I can see it. There's a snake there. They're, they're in trouble. What kind of, what kind of pawpaw would I be if I just let, let that go and didn't say anything about it? What kind of man of God would I be if I knew that in the pages of this book God tells us that there is judgment coming for unbelievers. And I didn't stand here this morning and warn you. I would be no kind of man of God whatsoever. You think I enjoy preaching messages like this? Absolutely not. But I have an obligation to preach what Paul calls the whole counsel of the Word of God. That means the things I like and the things I don't like. And this is one of the things I don't like. If I don't want to stand before God with your blood on my hands because I conveniently just skipped over the truth of a coming judgment. It's my responsibility today. As much as it grieves me, I mean, I've heard some preachers get up and, and preach on hell like they're glad people are going there. And that's not my heart today. I don't want anybody to. Paul warned the Thessalonians when he said this in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Listen to me this morning everlasting destruction is the fate of everyone who dies without Jesus. Like Rahab, the lost can be spared that awful fate by turning to God in faith. Go back to verse 11. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. Look at this. Look at the words of Rahab. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And here's what's significant about Rahab's words. Listen to me. She was a Canaanite by birth. The Canaanites were wicked, idolatrous people who did not worship the God of Israel. The Canaanites worshipped a, a number of false gods and goddesses. Rahab was brought up in a pagan religion 
and would have perished with the rest of Jericho had she not turned as she did to the true God in faith, believing. She said, I'm, I'm turning my back on everything I've been taught and everything I've believed because I know and I believe now in my heart that your God, the God of heaven, is the real God. Salvation. 2019 is still by faith and faith alone. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. Do you get that? It's not of works. Here's what that means. That means that we can't say, be saved by any religious act, any religious work that we would venture into on our own. That would include things like baptism, whether it happened to us as an infant or as an adult. That's a work. You can't be saved by partaking of communion. That's a work. Can't be saved by joining a church. That's a work. Can't be saved by cleaning up your act and, and, and hoping that someday your good works outweigh your bad works because it's not of works. Salvation is a matter of faith. Faith in what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross and was buried and three days later rose again. Yes, it's true that we are born sinners. And it's true that we are condemned and separated from God. And it's true that sinners face eternal judgment. But it's also true today that God never intended for it to be that way. Adam sinned caused all of that. But listen, God has a way whereby the consequences of Adam's sin can be erased. And instead of facing eternal death and eternal separation from God, we can have eternal life with Him in heaven. Go back to the story of Rahab for a moment. Once the coast was clear for the Israeli spies to return to Joshua with their report, they left. But before they left, they told Rahab how she could escape the coming judgment. Rather than leaving Rahab's home, you can read all this for yourself, but rather than leaving, leaving Rahab's home through the front door where they perhaps would be seen and discovered again, Rahab let them down through an upstairs window with a red rope. And those men said to Rahab, we want you to leave that rope in the window. 
because when the coming judgment takes place, when the invasion takes place, we'll be able to see, we'll wrap rope, and we'll know that this is your house, and your house and everyone in your house will be spared. So they told her how to escape the coming judgment. But here's the point this morning. That would have been worthless if she didn't act on it. Well, she knew how to escape the judgment, but now it was on her to act on it. And that's where we are this morning. The lost are given a way to escape eternal judgment and separation from God in hell forever. The Bible gives us the way But we have to act upon it. This week I was asked, preacher man, were you raised in church? And I said, no. Both my parents were alcoholics. They never took me to church. They never encouraged me to go to church, nor my brother. I said, it wasn't until 1976 that a couple of girls I went to school with and Tyrone invited me to church. And I said this, and that, that invitation changed my life forever. Because it's when I came here. I, I had gone on the invitation of friends and others to various places, heard various things. But it was when I came here in 1976 that I heard the truth of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on September 8th, Wednesday night, about 9 o'clock in my youth pastor's office, I had been told how to escape the judgment to come. And that night, I took the step of faith and received Christ as my Savior. And I've never regretted it. Well, preacher, what's the way? It all starts with the fact that we're all sinners. We've got to come to that conclusion. I'm a sinner. I think we've established that. We also have to understand this morning that there is a price to pay for sin. Paul said in Romans 6, 23, for the wages, we understand wages, for the wages of sin is death. The death is a spiritual death which results in eternal separation from God in hell. That's what we deserve because we're sinners. But despite our sin, God loves us and wants a relationship with us. As a matter of fact, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die the death that we rightly deserved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting since Jesus died for our sins we can now enjoy eternal life with him in heaven and here's how yes for the wages of sin is death but Paul goes on to say this but the gift of God <laughs> I love that but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. God's gift of eternal life through his Son. Listen, it's free to anyone who is willing to receive it. You understand that today? To anyone who's willing to receive it. So a preacher, how do I receive it? By faith. You pray and you ask God to, to forgive you of your sins and to save you. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call, that word means pray. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whosoever includes you. Doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or, or where you've been. Listen to me this morning. No one is so bad they can't be saved. But by the same token, no one is so good they don't need to be saved. You sit here before me this morning, you may have a, some kind of sordid past. Or you may have a squeaky clean one. You may have been brought up in church. And, and, and bless you if you have. That's a, that's a privilege. So you've been religious your whole life. But as you sit here this morning, you're thinking in your mind, why wasn't I ever told this? In all of my years of sitting in a, in a church pew or a chair, I've never heard this for the life of me. Because you were led to trust in something other than a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You were led to believe that, that some religious work that, that you performed or that your parents had performed on you or to you, that, that somehow uh, you've grown up your whole life thinking, well, I'm good because I did this, or I'm good because my parents had this done to me when I was a kid, and, and, and you've never, ever in your life been brought to the reality. Salvation isn't by works. It's by grace through faith. And that alone. Listen to me. If you're trusting in anything but Jesus to get you to heaven, you're lost. And you need to be saved. And you can be. Isn't that awesome? You can be. Today. I'm talking like Right now, today. If you're lost, but you want to be saved, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and ask Christ to save you. And you just make a mental note, January 29th, 2019, January 27th, 2019, was the day that my life changed. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning, if you would, please.